0: Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush, we are here once again talking about UFC 283 going down this weekend in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil headlined by a couple of title fights, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill for the light heavyweight strap and Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno Mm -hmm. 4 for the flyweight title, finally settling this now years-long back-and-forth battle, unless they fight to a draw and then we're screwed and have to do it
2: all over again. Also, it's totally unclear if it will settle it because... Well, I, I guess I I suppose because their first fight was a, it was a draw, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it was a it no. was a decision win for Figueroa. Yeah. It's so the, re, this doesn't settle it. This evens it up if Moreno wins.
1: Wait, no, no, no. The first fight was a draw.
2: Okay, it was a draw. Okay. The first fight so was a
1: you, draw. Then Moreno won. Then Figueroa won. Now they're fighting again.
2: So you can so, think of this as the functional rubber match. Yeah. Yeah. How do Unless you feel about draw. uh about that fight. I mean, we're not on it yet, but it's clearly more interesting than the main event. Yeah. Um, are you uh, one of these people who's like, well, I want Kai Kara France to fight for the title? No,
1: I don't give a shit. Um, you know, I, mean, I like Kai Kara France. I like whatever
2: other guys Pantoja, Pantoja I guess, is the. Yeah, area. Pantoja. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I like these guys that are in the division. I want to see them succeed. Um, but we. You know, like the UFC holding up people's careers is just the UFC holding up people's careers. Like, yeah, there's nothing that says that Alessandra Pantoja and Kai Kara France, or you know, other some somebody else, Brandon Royval, whoever else you want to throw in there, can't fight for a whole bunch of money right now. They can have a big fight. I'd watch the hell out of it.
2: Well, there, the UFC is, yeah, as you said.
1: Yeah, it's the UFC holding that up. The UFC is like, no, your only functional way to have any kind of big money fight is to
2: fight for the belt. Yeah, yeah, right. And it just feels like sort of just as a fan, just like shooting yourself in the dick to be like... yeah. I don't want uh, uh, an incredible, legendary series to take place exactly. when, like, these are the things that like boxing fans remember sixty years later. Yeah, these, are...
1: these are these are career and legacy defining yeah. Yeah. moments in combat sports. So I'm not going to argue against it. I'm just going to argue that you know that is like the value of boxing is that you can get somebody who fight, you know, who who's not fighting for the title and. They can still, I mean, A, they're like five functional high, well, you know, there are five functional high profile uh, belts granting organizations, and they each have like 30 titles to give. So Uh if you don't have one, you can have another one. But you can also be not a title holding boxer and have a pay-per-view or have a big fight on a big, you know network or something like that that people show up for and they're excited for and you make money off of
2: because that would be a really fun uh that would be a really fun like way of working within the system but like bending the rules for UFC fighters if they were to like band together and you know how like one of like the the ideas to like fix the American treasury or balance the economy is to make that like trillion dollar coin oh yeah which is like a seems just like a patently ridiculous idea like why do you have to do that it's it's just obviously the money is fake like it's so such a so weird to think about Mm -hmm. i think what fighters should do is first unionize and then demand that each division have no less than seven interim titles
1: yeah there
2: you go at any one time that way just a bunch of people are all the top seven contenders are making pay-per-view points yep although uh Demetrius Johnson was recently talking about how his championship contract didn't even have pay-per-view points. No,
1: people, you know, it's one of those things that I still have to remind people of every now and then when they're like, oh, he's a, you know, he's a title, he's a champ. So obviously he's getting a pay-per-view cut. We know that for, you know, whoever, you know, some like Aljamain Sterling or something like that. It's just like, yeah, you don't know that. You don't, you don't know what the UFC is, Put these guys under, you know, like making half a million bucks for a fight is more than most of them are going to make flat out. They don't necessarily have to give everybody pay-per-view points if they don't want to, and they haven't always.
2: Yeah. DJ said he made like 20-20 for his first title defense. Like, yeah. Joke. Yeah. No fucking kidding. Anyway. Anyway. So uh, we're not going to be able to get to that extremely interesting fight yet. First, we got to do the main event. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. we. Jamal Hill, Glover Teixeira. I mean, I'm not uninterested or unexcited for it. Like, no, I'll watch it as a raw, as a pure expression of MMA talent. Glover Teixeira is a much better fighter than Jamal Hill. Absolutely, like better striker, better mechanics, uh, better wrestler, better grappler,
2: better everything. Really,
1: just yeah, just better at everything. And he's 43. And he's probably going to get
2: knocked out and lose just because. You think so? He's 43. You think so, huh? Well, I don't spoil it right now. I'm going to pick Glover Teixeira. (laughs) Yeah. I I think. Yeah, go on.
1: I was going to say that's not the thing is that Glover Teixeira's actually only been knocked out twice in his whole career. Three times, once in his debut. Yeah. Twice in the UFC, once by Anthony Johnson, once by Alexander Gustafson. And none of those have happened recently. Yeah. He gets hurt all the time. He will get hurt in this fight, no
2: question. Almost certainly,
1: yes. Whether or not Jamal Hill can actually then finish him, that that is still a real question.
2: Yeah. Am I going to trust the guy who followed Paul Craig to the ground and essentially got submitted twice? Um, to, uh, to to be the guy to uh, overcome the usual uh, post-knockdown Glover Teixeira pattern. Where, where... he
1: desperately click, grabs a single leg and then somehow manages in the ensuing scramble to tip his opponent to the mat and then yeah. immediately starts brutally out-wrestling and out-grappling them once he's yeah. there.
2: Basically because he's not just a better wrestler and grappler than Hill. He's pretty much the best wrestler and grappler in the division. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, who who else is even close to Glover in terms of uh, in, in those two phases? Yeah. No one. I mean, yeah, he's he's the top dog on, on the ground and with the takedown game, and that that to me is the biggest question. I mean, first of all, I don't think it's impossible that Glover to share just outstrikes Jamal Hill. Fact, no, I, I expect him to do so for serious stretches of this fight.
1: Yeah, Jamal, he's fast, and he he he's. He's big. He's big, and his strikes are pretty clean when he's just firing a one-two, mm-hmm. but he doesn't avoid anything without just moving his head straight back.
2: No, he's got very poor defense. He's
1: and uh, he pretty much approaches on straight lines. He just kind of walks in on people. So yep, you know, in, in like in in even in his uh, last bout b- with Thiago Santos, Thiago Santos. Had no trouble
2: landing on him. Yeah. And Teixeira has been the top, you know, one of the top dogs, at least, uh, grappling and wrestling in this division for ages. But uh, his striking has actually made serious technical strides in the last few years alone. I got to think that uh, training with and training Alex Pereira has uh, contributed some to his improved uh, combination striking and counter punching and. Um, But yeah, we've seen the best boxing out of Glover Teixeira, honestly, um, in his last few fights that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I expect that to be a problem. I mean, he's going to, Jamal Hill's not exactly a a super sneaky striker, so is Glover going to get hurt? Probably, but it also means there's only like one or two things to really look out for when you're pressuring him. He doesn't look like you'd be that hard to pressure. Based on his footwork and his lack of defense, and the fact that he has to kind of skitter away in a straight line when he feels he's in danger. Mm-hmm. But the biggest question is the wrestling and grappling. And yeah. um, I, Jamal Hill is never, there's no one in the division to test that. He got taken down six times by Thiago Santos. Didn't yield much control, but. but Tiago San Santos is
1: not a great grappler.
2: <laughs> no. Um, and Glover Teixeira is. So I, I, to me, Jamal Hill. Uh, this is why this feels especially silly as a title fight. Like, Jamal Hill is genuinely still waiting for the first like real test. Yeah. He is like, he's like a uh, big Dawkins, you know, yeah. or or uh, uh, Rosenstreich or whatever. Like, he's one of these like. He's essentially a heavyweight contender, one of the ones who appears every few years, and they just blitz a bunch of people out and -hmm. knock them out. And then they fight somebody good yeah, because that rockets them to the top of the division. And you're like, oh, they only know how to do one thing, and they completely collapse when it doesn't win the fight for them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he just literally – I mean, look at his previous wins. Thiago Santos, an old, slow, timid Thiago Santos – is like far and away his most meaningful win. Yeah. It wasn't even two years ago that he got his arm snapped off by by Paul Craig. So I am for sure picking Glover Teixeira. I think really if he just gets much, much older overnight than he already is, uh, or Jamal Hill gets very lucky and lands a Rumble Johnson-style uppercut or something, but uh, even assuming he's going to get hurt, I really just don't see a good reason to pick Jamal Hill here.
1: I mean, the good reason is the speed. That's sure. really it. Is that um, much more than... Uh, I would say more than Jan Blachowicz, more than Tiago Santos at the point that Glover fought him, more than Anthony Smith... More than Yuri? More than Nikki Not more than Yuri.
2: Not Ooh. more than Yuri. Glover was just tooth and nail with the entire time.
1: Yeah. But now more, man,
2: Glover share is really good at MMA. I he just, is. He is. It's a serious, serious uh, roadblock to get over if you're a guy who's basically shown like fast hands and one punch power and precious little else.
1: The 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 thing that the, the, the big reason to have caution, more caution than Yuri as to this particular matchup for Glover, because it's not the raw speed of it or anything like that. It is that, um, he, that, uh, Jamal Hill is much more willing to do the same single thing over and over again like Yuri both to his credit and to his detriment against Glover Teixeira is a wild man and does wild man things you know mm-hmm. and Glover the thing that has really defined Glover Teixeira's late career uh, surge his, his late career championship surge his big run is that when opponents start doing wild stuff against him he tends to he thrives like he is you know when he starts getting hurt and his opponent starts going nuts Mm -hmm. and getting all creative on him or trying to like really press the fight he finds ways to pick one thing out make one thing happen that can turn the whole fight around in a moment sure. of chaos, or of chaos, and if Jamal Hill just is willing to stand in front of him and pump one twos without going nuts, it might be a little more detrimental, a little more singularly
2: detrimental. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not buying it. But I mean, I'm not saying again. I'm not saying it's impossible. Over, it's very old, but yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it seems a it seems a stretch from Glover thrives in moments of chaos to then assume that because Jamal Hill is like unoriginal, <laughs> that that is like a huge advantage for him. Can he stop a single leg?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
2: Has anyone even tried a single leg in <laughs> his entire UFC <laughs> career? I uh, no. I'm picking Glover, man.
1: Yeah, I get it, and.
2: I don't know. Give me a point, Zane. Come on, go go for Jamal Hill here.
1: I'm, this just like there's something in my gut that just feels like, yeah, this is one of those fights where there's no good reason for Glover to lose it, but he's gonna, and that's gonna be the end of it. You know this. And. I, yeah, I don't know that I have any good re- reason why. Like I say, I, I think Glover's better everywhere, even just as a striker. Yeah. It's just the youth and the athleticism, and also just like two really kind of the shit heel vibes that Jamal Hill has really put out into the universe.
2: Oh, yeah. He's a major shit heel.
1: He really leaned into that in a way that was, it was it, 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 kind of an unbelievably unforced
2: error. Mm hmm. Um, but oh, what do you mean? You know, it's going to get him on Dana White's side. True. Well, no, I'm.
1: Well, actually, I don't think it is. Amazingly, amazing. Oh,
2: you 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 take Dana at face value, and he's like, "No, don't defend me. Uh, I shouldn't I, be punished. In fact, I should. You should probably forgive me, but don't defend me, guys." I I take
1: it as I'm not taking it at face value. I'm saying that like even. If I were in that position, not that I could ever imagine being in that position, but I would not ever, I would not want anyone defend, I would not want anyone creating that kind of narrative around me that I would have like, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want to have to deal with that bullshit. It's much easier to deal with somebody being like, you're a piece of shit for slapping your wife. Mm-hmm. Than to deal with people being out there being like, no, it's
2: good actually. Well, you know? I mean, I'm I'm gonna go ahead, go out on a limb and say that, uh, however Dana feels about Jamal saying it, he agrees that it's good actually, or he would he wouldn't have done it. Well, there's that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and defend. I mean, if his if his mother's uh, claims are anything to go by, the dude and his, he and his wife have been beating the shit out of each other forever. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, anyway,
1: okay. we're far afield. My point is... Uh,
2: he's going to win because he's a, he's a piece of shit. Yeah.
1: like <laughs> He's been putting that energy out into the universe. It just feels right to, to, in MMA to have him be rewarded for it.
2: <laughs> okay. That's the first convincing point you've made. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Good Jamal things Hill. don't happen in MMA arguments. Yeah, I'm going to pick Jamal Hill.
1: All right. The youth, the power... Glover getting hurt all the time, his ability to just stick on a one two and uh do it really fast and early. There, there is, you know, it's not Rumble Johnson power, but it, it should be noted that, that that is like the one i it, it, it is you know, that 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 is a point where Glover just got iced
2: in thirteen yeah. seconds. Yeah, what you're essentially expecting is the Gustafson loss.
1: No, I mean, I'm I'm actually, what I'm expecting is the Anthony Johnson loss.
2: I'm expecting. Oh, you think he's going to get just KO'd?
1: Yeah, I think he's just going to get absolutely iced in a round, and we're going to feel really bad about it.
2: All right. Yeah. It's possible.
1: If he uh, doesn't, I think Jamal Hill's going to lose. I don't think there's any way Jamal Hill wins like a five-round fight.
2: No way. No way. I think that if Glover it doesn't have use, nearly the consistency Gustafson had on yeah and even, if, especially if the, game, the takedown defense was essential for Gustafson to pull that off
1: yeah and, and to the the ground game that like uh you know that hill- expo- showed against Craig like he doesn't he doesn't make clever decisions on the ground or no, stay composed. In ways that would have me feel like, oh, yeah, Glover is just not going to have any uh, ability to run whatever game he wants. Yeah. So I'm going to take I, I if he, if this goes more than around, I'm picking Glover to share to be the old old dog who knows all the tricks, as it were. But I'm I'm picking Jamal Hill to
2: just go out and. K.O. and for all of us to feel terrible. It's possible, Sam, but I, I think you're making a mountain out of a Jamal hill. All right, thank you. Well, you're welcome. I'm
1: not even going
2: to try to laugh at that. That's terrible. <laughs> you just did laugh.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing at how bad it was. I don't want. I don't want to build you up in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> all right, uh, Glover Teixeira. Is currently the underdog. Opened at plus one thirty, got all the way down to plus one hundred, but is back up to plus one ten. So that line starting to move away from Glover. <laughs> Jamal Hill opened at minus one fifty, got up all the way to minus one twenty two, and is currently back down at minus one thirty three. All right, that brings us to a flyweight fight, title fight: Davison Figueroa, Brandon Moreno. And goddamn, I, I just don't know about this fight because mm-hmm. the big problem is now. You know, I, I'm glad we're having this. It's a it's an uh, epic, legendary war between two great fighters at the peak of their career. Something we just don't uh, a legendary series. Something we just don't get in MMA. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even got, like things like Shogun Henderson or Shogun Little Nog or. Uh, you know, Holloway, Volkanovsky, whatever, they still got broken up. We don't mm-hmm. tend to get just back to back to back, we're doing this over and over again. Because mm-hmm. the UFC hates it. The thing, But the thing about it is, both these dudes have pretty clearly gotten way inside each other's heads. Yeah, right. And so now when they fight in the cage, there is so much obvious anticipation about what the other guy is going to do that it's really like they create a false dynamic even before the fight has happened even before anything bad has happened
2: yeah the the roller coaster of like confidence we've seen both of these guys go through over the course of this series is wild it is like, the, it's, it's weird to have a series where both guys are so clearly well-matched, but you get these, like, huge swings of either, yeah, like, complete temerity or vast overconfidence yeah. um, from both of them.
1: Because, yeah, when I see them out there in, the, in, in these fights, especially notably, notably Davison Figueredo, mm-hmm. now when he gets hit by Brandon Moreno, every time it feels like it kind of stuns him a little. Yeah. A lot more than it would than just the quality of the blow a lot more than because when we started, you know, the the first bout, the the first fight they had was kind of notable for um, Figueredo's complete unflappableness. You know, it was a fight that Moreno probably would have won had Figueredo not just been so willing to be. Brutally unconcerned with the the offense Figueredo was trying to deliver while delivering his own.
2: Yeah, and I think it was uh, a major turning point for Moreno's own confidence that like after four rounds of this just nonstop brutality, he he was the first guy to like visibly hurt somebody in the cage. Yeah, <laughs> it was like wait a minute, this guy's the power puncher, but I have the better chin.
1: Yeah, and maybe. So- he came back in that second fight, and he he had the confidence,
2: mm-hmm. he
1: had the snap, he had the you know he had the game to bring to Figueredo that Figueredo did not did not have, and he was able to stop him. He was able to put him away. Mm-hmm. And since that, like he, he, then you go into the their third fight. And you can still see it in Figueredo in that fight. Mm-hmm. Like every time he gets hit, he's just a little bit like, "Oh God, I'm this is about to go bad for me again." Mm-hmm. But it almost becomes like I don't even know if it's overconfidence for Moreno.
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a it's a lack of concern about he's
2: all like, the. Details. I'm the immortal one now. I can treat him the way he treated me. Yeah. And uh, turns out it's the first fight where Figueredo does hurt him several times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so now we go into this fourth fight. And I really have no idea what's going to happen. Mm hmm. Like, just based purely on stance and style, I feel confident saying Figueredo's going to land some really hard low kicks again. Mm hmm. Just the way Moreno fights and that that sort of long. Uh, bladed stance he likes. Mm-hmm. Front it, foot heavy, too. And front foot heavy really leaves him open to get kicked really hard.
2: Mm-hmm. Does, does most of his work from range off of his jab. Yep. Both an incentive to kick out his leg and also an opening to do so. Mm-hmm. And at the same
1: time, I also think that Figueredo's own long-held defensive disdain his, yeah. his feeling classically has always been I can step into the pocket with my chin online ready to try and just sort of slip and uh, parry whatever you're offering and I don't really care if it lands because I can land such a huge counter off of whatever you create that you won't mm-hmm. want to do this again that has been firmly cracked by Moreno like yeah. Moreno can just hit him and he doesn't like it and there's not going to i don't I, I can't imagine a defensive pickup where Figueredo just has that that problem solved
2: at this point mm-hmm. in his career no it's too
1: late yeah it's too late
2: and i mean he came in with a more defensively minded style in both of the last two fights
1: but it mostly just meant staying further away exactly
2: yeah staying further away and moving his feet more yeah
1: Exactly, it's MMA's defensive
2: solution, which yeah. is don't don't be there. The dude has never had an ounce of defense in the pocket. He's not going to. No. That's a just a difficult skill set to 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 learn, even as a young fighter. It's not yeah. going to happen now.
1: Well, and and so much of what made his success relies on his on him his his head and his body being steady to yeah, yeah. to see the punch coming, and to see the position of his opponent. And to then be able to deliver something with power with his feet planted, you mm-hmm. know, if you start getting crafty in the pocket and slipping and looking to counter and, you know, really just kind of doing things off of trigger memory and things like that, rather than vision, like you may get hurt less. I,
2: but- mean, I will say that, like, um, head, guys who use a lot of head movement are sort of susceptible, whether they are power punchers or not. To the same tactics that work against power punchers, because both do require you to plant your feet. Yeah. Um. So I think it, you know, like if Figueredo was like a slipping, rolling, counter-punching machine in the pocket, it would actually suit him quite well.
1: It w- it would suit him, but really. he
2: just doesn't have those skills.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just not the, and it's not what brought him to the dance. Is what no, I'm saying. It like, is not. Yeah. What works for him in the pocket is having his eyes fixed on his opponent, so yeah. that he. he can see the shot he wants to deliver on the counter, which is yeah. why he can deliver really good creative counters in the moment that aren't just uh, necessarily mm-hmm. a rote
2: reaction. Yeah. He's got that Romero ability yeah. to just, yeah. just without even having to touch the opponent first with his jab or anything, just knowing the distance. Yeah. Excellent timing. Yeah. He's a natural counter puncher.
1: And... Uh, so yeah that creates a dynamic in this fight where like man I don't I don't know I, I'm I think I'm gonna pick Davison Figueredo just because I, I feel like the majority of these fights he has been able to find ways to Take rounds off of Moreno mm-hmm. when it, you wouldn't expect him to, or when se- even when it seems like Moreno is building momentum. Mm-hmm. But it is hard to it, it's hard to also shake the the reality that if you want to look at one of them having one really good fight, it's Brandon Moreno.
2: Yeah, he's the
1: only one who's dominated.
2: Yeah, one of the two of them.
1: So I'm going to take Figueredo just because I I think this will go five rounds. And I think that Figueredo finds ways to sneak out more rounds. I think uh, before Brandon Moreno was confident uh, Figueredo and they fought to a draw. Figueredo was able to do a lot of really good, powerful work that stole rounds away from Moreno, even when Moreno was doing really well and being really crafty himself. Yeah. And then when Brandon Moreno was really confident and not concerned with Figueredo's offense, he came back and found ways to take mm-hmm. rounds off Moreno. And I don't know what version of Moreno is going to show up next, but I feel like I know what version of Figueredo we're going to get. And it's going to be a lot like the guy who showed up in the last fight where he's going to have some confidence issues trading with Moreno mm-hmm. at distance, but he's also going to be really set on delivering his own offense to win rounds. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, they're so, these guys are so perfectly matched. Yeah. That like, I also just don't know. I mean, I I expect a close fight. Even that is not certain. Like, yeah, like I say, so well and so weirdly matched that, yeah, one of their fights was not close at all. And that could very easily go the other way. I mean,
1: yeah, Figueredo is a dude who absolutely can ice people and do it not, you know, not just with, with punches, but as a submission grappler too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would be surprised if both of those, either of those things happened, but, um, you know, I was surprised when Moreno took Figueredo down and just crushed him on the ground too. So, yeah, uh, that doesn't usually happen to Davison. So it basically gives me license to pick this fight in the stupid way. I, I like to do in these circumstances, which is optimistically based on what I'd like to see Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that. Yeah. Like there are what I feel are some pretty straightforward and and obvious adjustments for Moreno to make based on that, that last fight. Mm -hmm. I got to say, I really feel that even though I'm I'm perfectly fine with him losing, um, you know, it it was a very close fight. I, I, I really did still feel like Moreno looked like the better fighter.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I think, you know, the big thing for me is really that like Figueredo looks like he's struggled. He's been struggling with himself in this yes.
2: fight. Moreno. I mean, yeah, if anything, I think his main issue was, uh, as you said, overconfidence, like, yeah, he was just like swaggering. He was just disdainful. He ate way too many of those low kicks before he started to try to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, he he, he did a, a one thing in particular, which I you know I might be wrong in my interpretation, but I feel pretty confident about this. He he would consistently like jab his way in to to the pocket, mm-hmm. and then just stand there. Yeah, a lot of like watching his work and what I think he was trying to do is I think you know Brandon Moreno's a guy he's he's made you know big leaps, yeah. uh, in the course of one training camp before. He's he's always been a guy who likes to do weird things. He is a he has an innovators mindset
1: mm-hmm.
2: when it comes to fighting. And what I think happened is that in that camp, he was really feeling his oats and he worked with his boxing coach on like cool defenses encounters mm-hmm. that have yet to be actually ingrained And don't just flow like when the circumstances arise. I believe he was trying to force like a shoulder roll counter. Yeah. He would jab his way in and then just look at Davis and like the right hand's coming now. Uh, Now. Now. And and would just get surprised by something. And have Mm -hmm. to reset. That's what it looked like to me. Like he was literally, he had, he fixated in his mind on this cool thing he wanted to do. And lost sight of the fact that like it's a fight and you have to be flexible and, you know, react to whatever is happening, not just the cool thing you like. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, just a little knockdown of the confidence. Sh- sh- couldn't be anything but good for Moreno after that. I very much doubt yeah. that he, he, he is not a guy like Davison who has like spent his entire career feeling untouchable and unbreakable Mm-mm. and then suddenly found out he was wrong. Moreno's been in dogfights. He's yeah. been hurt. He's been knocked down. He's been beaten. Uh, he's yeah. been finished. So, like, I, I think it's much likelier that him taking a his confidence, taking a knock, is more productive for him than it was for Figueiredo. Less, right. less of a massive overcorrection uh, seems likely, in my opinion. And so, just like... Staying busier, just keeping the jab going. Um, you know, I think in particular, one thing so many of the exchanges in that third fight were like even when Figueroa would land a big shot, he would get hurt by a jab. Yeah, like right after.
1: He really seems like there's some shell shock
2: there. Yeah, and, and quite possibly some physical decline. Like maybe yeah truly his, his the pantoja fight and all these fights with moreno like his chin is just maybe not as good as it used to be mm-hmm. or it may it could very well just be the fact that he now knows it can be cracked and so he reacts worse he flinches more uh mm-hmm. he has psychologically um hurt his own durability i
1: mean he's half a decade older but forget it because of what a, yeah right a, you know a golem he is but uh he he is 36 to or 35 to Moreno's 29.
2: Yeah. So yeah,
1: it's not a division two where you age like 35 at flyweight is, you know, closer to 40, 43 at heavyweight.
2: Mm -hmm. So I, I would like to see, um, more just busier, uh, like resetting jabs from Moreno. Mm -hmm. I think he, with Figueredo's super planted style, once he gets into an exchange, the feet are just like, there. he's got concrete boots on,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that Moreno can just jab, sidestep, jab, sidestep, jab, sidestep, and win tons of exchanges just like that. Yeah. Um, nice. And po- quite possibly seriously hurt Figueredo, as he did in their last fight. The, the last thing I'll mention is that after getting trashed with low kicks early on, Moreno did adjust to them. He started countering them. He started checking them. He also landed a ton of his own low kicks starting about halfway through the fight. Mm-hmm. So I think he would greatly benefit from just more attrition at range from the, from the outset. And I'd love to see him bring back his wrestling too. It was yeah. shocking to me how little he tried to press that given that he, again, crushed Figueredo on the ground in their, yeah. rem- in their first rematch. Um. So yeah, I just think there's a lot of room for Moreno to 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 cover a lot of ground with relatively small adjustments, and I think it's just likelier that he, in a focused camp, can make those adjustments. Now I will say, um, I wasn't greatly inspired by how he looked in that Kai Car Franz fight. Mm-hmm. It was a little shaky. I mean, I, I think he he let a lot of stuff happen that he did not have to let happen. So that could very well be a sign that. Uh, yeah, he's gonna come in just as overconfident against Figueroa just thinking, you know, I won. I don't have to change anything. Like I won that fight. The judges are just gonna get it right this it's, time.
1: It is also worth noting too that if we're talking focused camps, Moreno's just blew up uh three
2: oh, months right. ago. I forgot he was working with Krauss. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He changed he, he and the worst part for him is he wasn't working with Krauss until twenty twenty two. So mm. He blew up his camp last year. Right. And then blew it up again. Yeah. He's he's got his own coaches that he's taking with him from head coach to head coach. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of focused skill work that he's doing in there that's not changing. But game planning um that is changing a lot.
2: Yeah. But so. I'm really just mas- making my pick based on, A, the idea that um, the adjustments he has to make are not that small. And, B, I really did think he looked like the better fighter. And oh, that yeah. most of the reason he lost that fight was complete overconfidence. Yeah. that He did not have to lose it the way he did. Um, he didn't have to give figure those knockdowns, which really, like, without those, even with the low kicks and everything else, they're the only reason the fight was even close.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, knockdowns, which again, he frequently stunned Figueredo like three seconds after the knockdown happened. So yeah, I'm sticking with Moreno. I'm just very excited to see it. I mean, again, this is a rare epic saga Mm -hmm. for MMA and the UFC in particular. And, um, yeah, it's just two, two dudes like more or less at the peak of their powers, perfectly matched for each other. With the exception of the second fight, which is still really impressive and notable, they every round these guys have spent together has been amazing
1: yeah and well and too like having that second fight out there only makes the, this more intriguing because you know that there's yeah. a way this could go where one of them just loses
2: yeah that's the thing they're so well matched and they're both so potent that yeah, yeah. you know one bad night maybe moreno has a bad camp all this all these shake-ups and figure yeah. it just wrecks him yeah it's perfectly possible
1: all right, we're split on the two title fights.
2: Yeah, this one though, I think I have zero derision for you picking Figueroa. Yeah, I'm yeah, all I hell. I mean, what the hell? I'm just I'm doing it with. It is a
1: sadness hedge, really. It's that's just well, that's
2: what I said to Steffi after you when you walked away. Before <laughs> I was like, he's sadness hedging. Yeah,
1: he's,
2: he's expecting the worst, so it doesn't crush him if it happens. That's all. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Uh where is this on our odds sheet here? Oh man, it's one of those where they didn't include they they do such they're doing such a bad job. I gotta I gotta consider somebody people have thrown some other options at me, but I'm just such a creature of habit at this point that uh all right. Moreno is the favorite here. Opened at minus 118, jumped up to minus or to plus 100 even, and is currently back down at minus 119. Figueredo opened at plus 100, got down as low as minus 123, and is currently at minus 102. So So
2: basically dead even.
1: They're dead even. Uh, There have been swings in these odds where Figueredo was the favorite for a little bit and is now a lot. Now the line is pretty uh, shifting pretty. Uh, heavily in the last couple of days, back towards Moreno, but uh, you know, which of course now every time we have like a, a <laughs> former James Browse <laughs> fighter, you have to you have to wonder. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's no, it's no, no kind of shift, no, no kind of dramatic shift that it would make me mm. have raise any questions. It's not that 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 uh, pe- people should realize that Minner nerd Becky line where it was literally fight day hours before the fight. And it changed Mm -hmm. by like 300 points. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of shift we're looking at. Somebody else brought up like, or, you know, it, it got brought up before uh, Jimmy Flick's fight against Charles Johnson, where they're like, oh, and you you guys were like at, uh, you know, minus 200 or 300, and then you jumped to minus 500 or something, and it's like a week, you a know, week and a half before the fight. And it's like, yeah, that's normal line movement. The lines open, other books open, the lines adjust.
2: That's yeah. And, and like no one order. is thinking about these fights at all until the week out. Yeah. And they're like, that, okay, time to bet. Yeah. That,
1: that is all perfectly normal line movement. You're looking at like day of, wait, somebody just put like 10 grand on this prelim fight. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're looking at.
2: Yeah. No, dead even uh, is more or less what it is. And that's yeah. how could you argue for anything other having really, said these, yeah. uh, these two fight three times. They are evenly matched.
1: Yep. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Gilbert Burns, Neil Magny.
2: Mm -mm. Um, I was, uh, I was more interested in this fight, um, before, um, that bastard Phil McKenzie crushed my, (laughs) crushed my spirit.
1: Good. I'm glad (laughs) Phil, I'm glad Phil was there so I didn't have to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm good for, as like a cleanup hitter role. I want (laughs) to base. (laughs) before i have to come in and like try to hit a double or a triple
2: yeah it's hard work crushing my spirit i'm so resilient (laughs) it's really really a marvel that i still have any spirit left to crush yeah um yeah i mean uh I i was looking at this and i was like yeah okay cool fight you know we got some some like Gilbert Burns back in the saddle after that banger with Chimaev. Neil Magny's been doing some really impressive things here. This uh, almost looks like we are now witnessing like Neil Magny's delayed prime. Mm -hmm. We're seeing just, you know, a guy who was never an amazing athlete, but uh, has his physical attributes has now like developed enough skill and weathered enough experience, good and bad, that he's in there. Just like he's just delivering with consistency
1: mm-hmm
2: and um and then Phil pointed out to me I think very correctly that um you know Neil Magny has always been a guy who there's like there's like two things that uh two, two things with a with a third uh, component that always just completely obliterates him yeah and one is you know like powerful strikers in particular low kickers yep the other is uh yeah, like, incredibly technical top position grapplers. hmm And then the third is freakish athletes. Yeah. Gobert Burns is all those things. Yeah. <laughs> He's every one of those things. And suddenly I realized this is not a good fight for Neil Magny.
1: This all. is a miserable fight for Neil Magny. I am very glad he got it. Like, I am a firm... Yeah. You know, I, I am the very much the, like... Yeah, the, the, the the coach whose kid whose own kid is on the team uh, with with fighters I love where like that kid is always gonna get ridden harder than anybody else. <laughs> you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: nobody nobody gets more coaching and more like no you need to be tough and go out there and do your job than mm-hmm. the coach's son kind of thing. Sure. uh And so fighters I like, and I, I enjoy watching them fight, and I enjoy their stories, and I enjoy seeing them puzzle out how to fight, especially because usually they're guys who have to figure things out. Yeah. Uh, I want to see them get the success that leads them to points of fights where they're probably just not going to win
2: it all. Yeah, it happened to Damon Jackson last week. Exactly. You were happy about that.
1: I was happy about that. It's just like, yeah, you deserve – like, these people – They, you know, to get in position, to get mentally in position to be this kind of person, to fight these fights, to be, to go out there and work and improve and put yourself on the line over and over for years on end, you have to build a narrative for yourself that you deserve and can make the best out of these opportunities when you get
2: them. Yeah. And no one has that. No one embodies that mentality more than Neil Magny. Exactly. Like dude, he, he fights everyone and anyone exactly the same. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: And he, you know, it it would be much more punishing to hit to a fighter like this to just be like, no, you can't win these fights. You're never getting another one. Mm-hmm. Then to just be like, well, you've won five fights in a row go after it, man. Like I feel the same, you know, I'm not thrilled about the idea of a Raquel Pennington, Amanda Nunez too, but she's earned it. Like
2: I kind of am actually seeing the way she's been looking lately. I think I, I might pick her when that happens.
1: I will. I will thoroughly enjoy not picking her and, and just <laughs> knowing that, that, that she's bit, earned it, knowing that she's earned it and moving <laughs> that a little bit further ahead of you in our long, in our long <laughs> term pick standings. Um, well, I'll but, always yeah, have that hill
2: to share a pick.
1: <laughs> Damon, Damon Jackson. too. like I, I was just saying, you know, like. Sean Strickland went out there and beat Nasiri mm-hmm. Uh Robert Whittaker needs to fight. Why not? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing with Sean Strickland if you're not right now? If you're not throwing him in against top yeah. five guys and
2: letting him struggle. Congratulations, my particularly troubled son. You've earned yeah. this. Exactly.
1: Like and and so yeah. For Neil Magny, he's won his fights. He wanted this fight with Burns. It's a top contender bout. Maybe he can pull off a miracle. This is how you get. You don't get miracle wins if you don't set up. Yeah, guys who are really you know gritty, hard nosed dudes for fights that they probably can't win. Yeah. And this is a miserable fight for Neil Magny, and I would never pick him in it. And good luck,
2: Neil. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I, he looks better equipped to deal with this dual nightmare matchup than at any other point in his career. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's like, he's really um, you know, like Max Griffin is a sort of a light version of a guy who always troubles Neil Magny. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah. He, he also awakened the Neil Magny who was just goddamn sick of losing these fights.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: And went yeah. Complete sickle mode. He was like, a, he was a maniac in that fight. And yeah. I, that's what he needs in this. I mean, is that
1: and dude like Daniel Rodriguez came out there and he yeah. put it on Magny. He had exactly the, I picked D rod in that fight and he had exactly the fight that I had hoped he would to win, you know, just going yeah. out there at one point and being like, I am tired of this dude jabbing me. I'm just going to step in and start throwing faster Bigger punches at him, and what's he gonna do? Oh, he's gonna get hurt. Mm-hmm. And Magny just turned it around.
2: Yeah, you know he's he's a he's a machine with that particular kind of comeback too. Yeah, but um, yeah. So so like if he if he's I think he needs to be super aggressive. Yeah. Um, even if he has to get beaten up a bit first, like he's got to be able to hit that to flip that switch at some point, point. and. If he can, I mean, I, this is something I really like about Magni. Like his tall man boxing game has vastly improved. Yeah, he this guy used to use that. Like he essentially did not have a jab before.
1: He had that rolling jab. It was yeah,
2: it was this, this slappy little flicking. You get his he arm
1: of, there. Yeah, and he would retract it halfway, and he'd roll it his, his, the the punch back around over yeah
2: like which is a viable way i mean you're yeah you're maximizing your reach you're uh, making up for a lack of speed by keeping the hand closer to the target yeah Um, but But, and he still does that but he also cracks people with his jab now yeah he makes them fear his reach in a way that they, they didn't necessarily have to before and uh he uses it to pressure them too Mm -hmm. He walked Max Griffin down with that jab and got him into the clinch and beat him up there. And, uh, yeah, maybe there's a possibility to awaken, you know, whatever traumatic memories Gilbert Burns has of, say, losing to Rashid Magomedov. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's not going to happen.
1: No, I mean, you really, if you really take and you look at the Shavkat-Rachmanov fight for Magny. Yeah. And, honestly, the hamzat Shemayev fight for Gilbert Burns. Yeah. And you look at somebody pressuring the shit out of Gilbert Burns, yep. just going out there fearless to to mess up his whole damn day. Gilbert Burns fought like mad. That was an awesome fight Yeah, for Gilbert Burns. I mean, it showed off how amazing Hamza Chimaev is as a pure physical specimen mm-hmm. and just absolute beast. You know, it gave us everything we need to know about how tough Shemayev is and how dedicated he is. But Gilbert Burns did not shrink for one second from that fight. Mm -hmm. And he hurt him multiple times. Yeah. And he got his own big moments and he was in that fight for every step of it.
2: Yeah. And then the other problem is that he isn't Gilbert is not Max Griffin. He is.
1: Yeah.
2: He's that kind of matchup while also being you know, like RDA or like a souped up Damian yeah. Maya. So yeah. like, All... this is a guy who actually, if he does get uncomfortable, he can go into the clinch and it's not quicksand for him. It's yep. just like, okay, this... they can take this guy down and destroy him on the ground. We, we want
1: about co- talk about coaches being hard on their favorite sons. Like this is the man who has thrived under Henry Hooft. Yeah. Who has taken the slow, painful lessons of how to, properly construct a striking game from the ground up and he's learned it and he's done it and everything works and it all fits together and he's hard nosed and he's tough as hell Mm -hmm. and he fights a hard nosed tough as hell striking style with power Mm -hmm. and it's just not
2: going to work for Magni. Nope. Nope.
1: Uh, Odds on the fight. Magny is a sizable underdog, opened at plus two forty-five, got up, bounced up to plus two seventy-nine, and was hanging out there pretty consistently until about a week ago when he went up from plus two ninety to plus three fifty. So, steadily trending away from Neil Magny as fight day approaches. Burns opened at minus two eighty-five, dropped down to minus three fifty-six, and is currently down at minus four fifty-nine. Not surprised. It's just a miserable matchup for Magny. Mm-hmm. Really like Rachmanov, like RDA, just that combination of skills that whenever Magny meets it, just ruins his whole day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like Michael Kiesa didn't even have to be a good good striker.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know. He just had to be there to be into the clinch and be able to then take take Magni apart in the clinch. And Gilbert mm-hmm. Burns can do that.
2: He might have to clinch him. I might just be able to just double leg him off his feet. I mean, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'll still take him out for BK Burger King after
2: this. You know,
1: <laughs> get the man. Get, get, get the man some waffle fries, or something. I don't know what's like on the Burger King menu. I don't go to Burger King, but it <laughs> <He> does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I will say, I am, I am fully. I, it is fight on site for whoever wrote those latest Burger King jingles, because I don't know them. You, how do you escape them? You're on fight back. You're on the ESPN app just as much as I am.
2: Uh... What does Fight Pass advertise to me, or or ESPN Plus?
1: ESPN uh, Plus isn't advertising the constant BK Have It Your
2: Way stuff. I don't think so. I've got the three different, the same ads every single time, but not the um, Burger King ones yet.
1: I'm getting all the Burger King ones, and that stuff is in my brain permanently right now.
2: Well, they know that you owe your son Neil Magny a treat. That's right. That's right. <sighs>
1: All right, that brings us to Woman's Flyweight Bout, Jessica Andraj, Lauren Murphy, and um, kind of the same, right?
2: You know, this one, I actually, I, I did come in with that Magni Burns style read, and I've actually become a little less certain.
1: I mean, Andraj has made all the wrong moves lately, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, maybe not all the wrong moves but that Amanda Lamosh fight she had was, like, it was a great example of what a good athlete, I mean, uh, uh, Jessica Andrade is and how dangerous yeah. she can always be. Yeah. But you go back to, like, the first fight she had with uh, Rose Nami Yun- or Well, not even the first fight with Rose Namajunas, but the second fight she had with Rose Namajunas. Uh-huh in 2020 and it seemed like there was a build towards like a pressure punching game with some like consistent footwork and slipping. And she didn't have all the the nuances of it down. She's always wanted to be like a, there's always been a bit of a John Lineker to her, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there was more head movement yeah, there was um, more body punching. There was, th- they just felt like there was a, a a clear path to being a different kind of fighter in that. Mm-hmm. And then that Shevchenko fight happened, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's just been a kind of a regression of back to like, well, I don't really know what I should be doing now.
2: I'm still, yeah. I mean, I, I think she's, she's looked like she is still in the process of trying to become technical. Yeah. Um. It's just that she's now like trying to do that in a more classic MMA over correction way of,
1: yeah. Of like, well, what if I just don't throw a lot or what if I just like yeah. get outside and try to pick just the right moment? Yeah. It's like, no bully bullying was great for you. Do yeah. all the bullying you just keep doing it until you really are proficient at it, until it's just second yeah. nature.
2: So the thing is, is I think the, like, cautious back foot, like throwing kicks from far away, it might actually kind of work okay for her here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of will work okay for her here.
2: Yeah, because Murphy is glacially slow. I mean, that yes. is, like, her defining physical characteristic. Well, one of them.
0: Yeah, the other strong. one.
2: That's the other thing. That... Um, this is this is Jessica Andrade, who was clearly very strong, but couldn't really she couldn't overpower Raquel Pennington, say at bantamweight. Mm-hmm. Now she's here fighting another former bantamweight who is notable notable for her physical strength, who ties up with people, and they're just like, oh, I can't I can't move this woman. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't even look like her hips are in the right position to like stop me bowling her over. But she's just like, she's made of wood um and that i'm curious about like whatever style andrage tries in this fight she's not going to avoid clinches no no you know like she throws a strike she's going to crash in Mm -hmm. uh, and connect um chest to chest and yeah like i'm i am curious to see like can she bully lauren murphy if she does try that approach and if she doesn't can she just outbox her while moving around? Like she's going to land some kicks and stuff, but she's also uh, Murphy is a, a not a bad boxer from range. It's just that like you, you know, she's, she's never going to beat Shevchenko, but neither is Andrade. Yeah. Um, against a lower output, less accurate, less subtle opponent. Um, she is the one frequently landing the sneakier shots. And finding good counters and working her jab and um, I don't know. I, this this the more I think about this one, the more it, it does feel like a toss up to me because I don't really trust what approach Andrade is going to bring, but I also don't necessarily know which of the sort of two main approaches would really work against Murphy. I'm still going to pick Andrade because like yeah,
1: because one of the if one of them's going to finish just, this fight, it's going to be her. Exactly.
2: Yeah. There's just there is that. Physicality, and even if she can't overpower Murphy and clinches, um, she's still going to be way faster and way harder hitting. Yeah. But um, yeah, this one honestly has uh, looked less sort of uh, one-sided to me the more I've thought about it.
1: One th- one thing I will say is that while Lauren Murphy is very strong and hard to haul around. She The lack of speed has meant that good athletes can take her down mm-hmm. with reasonable regularity. Yeah. You know, Shevchenko, obviously, uh, but also, you know, go back. Mara Romero-Barella, a pretty yeah. good athlete of kind of a head case. Sejara C- Eubanks, mm-hmm. uh, you
2: know, even all the way back to Liz Carmouche. She just doesn't get her hips back fast enough.
1: Yeah. And she battles through it and often the later the fight goes the harder she gets to take down Mm -hmm. but this comes to another point for Lauren Murphy that um, I would worry about a lot in this fight which is also against good athletes she can really get in her own head and kind of shut down that fight she had against Misha Tate that was a good step for her. That was a good like, oh, mm-hmm. here's a, a former champion. Uh and she didn't get taken down. She fought really well. She stayed right in her face. She she kept the fight just like she needed to. Um but it's also Misha Tate who whose striking has only like is just I'm always shocked when Misha State Tate striking works. Yeah. You know, she
2: also, why is this so common in MMA that like, I, I don't know, it's something about the structure of the way the sport works or the way training is designed for fighters that like, how common is it for a fighter to not make like essential technical adjustments or improvements until it's way too late for them to actually take root?
1: I, I think it's it's the variety that the the fight allows. Yeah, means that while you're in your physical prime, there are always escape hatches. Mm-hmm. There are always other things you can do than the thing that you do poorly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, my boxing defense isn't great, but if somebody gets close enough to me to start punching me, I can just take them down. You know, yeah. or oh, I can just uh, you know get out and get away and the 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 cage is huge there's so much variety there to allow mm-hmm. yourself i can clinch and just hold on to somebody push them against the cage muscle them around slow the fight down and it's only once fighters start getting older and slower and those other options start to feel riskier and less obvious that then it's like oh well you know, maybe I really should put the time in so that when I'm in these situations, I can actually box my way out of them. Yeah.
2: It's just, you know, it's not good. It's not good, this no. Is not to, not to, uh, to, to make this a, a show about all the chess I've been playing, but this is a thing you see in chess games where people will, like, rush through the opening mm-hmm. and then only start using their time when their position is bad. Yeah. This is frequent. And that seems to be the sort of book on MMA improvement. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just you rush through the early phases of your career, just kind of getting by with broad strokes. And then you, don't, you find out as your physicality makes that first slip, you're like, oh, I should have learned to be good.
0: And yeah. it's too
2: late. It's too late. Lauren Murphy is not that kind of no. fighter. Andraj is much more of that kind of fighter.
1: Yeah, andraj is much more of... Lauren Murphy, I mean, there's a reason that we love – a lot of fighters like Lauren Murphy, like Neil Magny. Yeah. These people who came into the sport from the jump and were like, I've never been an athlete. Mm -hmm. I've never really trained in a martial arts a bunch, Mm -hmm. but I really like to fight and I really want to do this. I'm going to try to be good at it. And they, they work really hard, and they work really mm-hmm. hard for years, and they try to be good at it. And it's hard not to be – for that to end, endear itself, you know, to be like, mm-hmm. I want to root for this person. I want them to have the success that they have worked so hard for. Of course. And then they meet Gilbert Burns and Jessica Andrade
2: and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're uh, like, oh, I guess that's why they didn't have to get good. Yeah. <laughs> they can crush the people who did have to – Uh, progress that way yeah just without having to try
1: yeah yeah but it is i mean you know murphy has at 39 she has worked herself to the point where you're like this is an interesting fight if jessica andrage doesn't go out there and horse murphy around yeah then what happens if she has the angela hill fight against somebody who's a little bigger
2: yeah, and I insist that it's possible she tries to horse Murphy around and, and, and finds it more difficult than she expects. Yes, it, because oh, yeah. yeah, like uh, uh good enough athletes can just get past Murphy's defenses before she has time to adjust. Mm-hmm. But uh Andrade really is not a good takedown artist. Like yeah. she is entirely physicality. Her her yeah. lifts, her double legs, they are full horsepower, terrible technique. Yeah. The, other, the only, like the said, only the thing the, going for her is that she's stocky, so like she already kind of has a level yeah, change. Yeah, she's going already
1: on. you know she barely has to bend her knees to get under your hips.
2: Yeah, prefab level change, but yeah, um, she's still completely just like making it up as she goes every time she takes somebody yeah. down.
1: The, the big concern for me, like I say with Murphy, is that when faced with a good athlete, yeah, like you know I know she didn't have her coach with her for that Valentina Shevchenko fight, but that kind of speaks to that. That really spoke to Lauren Murphy classic where good athletes, they just get in her head of like, Oh my God, this person is really fast and strong. I don't trust myself to pull the trigger.
2: Yeah. Especially cause I think she is instinctively a counter puncher and yeah, that's a very difficult place to be in with somebody who's, who can surprise you with the, with speed like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Odds on the bout, Andrade is a prohibitive favorite. Opened at minus five hundred, jumped up to minus four sixty, is currently at minus four ninety one. Lauren Murphy opened at plus three eighty five, dropped down to minus three forty five, and is currently at plus three sixty seven. Yeah, that's the kind of odds where I would just like stay away.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: not that I ban, not that I don't stay away from all fights when it comes to gambling, but. Mm-hmm. It's wide enough where it's just like, yeah, okay, there's not, I don't, I mean, you could throw money at Lauren Murphy, but I wouldn't in this kind of fight. No. You know, it just would be a waste of money. It's odds wide enough to make people be like, ooh, maybe Lauren Murphy's worth a bet. No, don't. Just Mm -hmm. stay away.
2: I mean, yeah. Well, you just do it if you're if you bet for fun. I don't if think if you
1: bet for fun, Yeah.
2: it's not completely insane to be like, hey, maybe she does have a shot here. This is, could be a weird, nope. ugly fight where she she scrapes it out. But uh, yeah. yeah, don't don't expect. I, I mean, really, like I say, do bet on odds like this because if you are already betting with the idea that you're going to make money doing this, you you're you're lost already. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's
2: you're lost true. already. So
1: you know you're, especially if you're listening to this podcast, being like, I'm going to oh, make money. God.
2: Yeah. Given that you should already be betting just for fun, just to spice things up, uh go ahead. Yeah. Add, add some zest to your life. Yeah, cuz I cuz I don't think this is necessarily that one-sided of a fight. So why not? Yeah. Okay, well.
1: I'm if you're in the poorhouse tomorrow, uh remember it's, it's your honor fault. to blame. It's your
2: fault. It's, it's your It's honor fault. to blame and not me. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do love getting the like The like schizophrenic texts from people who bet based on our picks. When like over the course of one night, a guy will be like, "Oh fuck you guys, you lost me so much money." And then like two fights later, it's like, "Oh my god, God bless you. I just made a thousand dollars because I irresponsibly bet a huge amount of money based on the stupid shit you told me." Yeah, but you know, it's it's your own fault.
1: But for those of you that made a lot of money on Sean Strickland last week, um... welcome.
2: That was actually me.
1: Yeah. You can find me on Venmo or Cash App.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was like, when it works, it's me. When it doesn't, (laughs) you know, I told you not to, pal.
1: (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Light heavyweight bout, Paul Craig, Johnny Walker.
2: Woo! (laughs) I mean, this will be Why isn't one of these guys fighting for the title? This
1: will be fun. Yeah, that's, that's true. Dana White was so pissed that good fighters like Jan Bohovich and uh, uh, Magomed Ankalaev fought a, a careful good fight that he's like, no, I need guys who fight wild in there. Paul Craig, Johnny Walker, light heavyweight champ, 2023. Mm-hmm. What, what are we doing? Maybe that's why this fight was booked, is just in case. Oh, my Lover God. To couldn't
2: if either in. one of these dudes had to fill in for the title.
1: Yeah, Paul Craig, Jamal Hill, too. Right
2: there. Um, yeah, at least if Jamal Hill has to be in the uh, title shot, then Paul Craig is a better case than than anyone else for <laughs> uh, for getting detested against him. He destroyed him in their previous fight. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Have you seen that... Um, Um, Johnny Walker has been saying that uh, he's not ruling out grappling with Paul Craig.
1: I have not seen that. I am not at all surprised by it, though.
2: Well, because his last fight proved that he's a
1: better grappler than Ewan Kudalaba.
2: Yeah, because he was definitely out grappling him for the entirety of that fight. And it also proved to him, which I was hoping for, that uh, all the recent changes he's made to his style, all this wonderful tutoring he's getting at SBG, it's working. Yeah. To slow road, you know, to success, but he is becoming a technical defensive genius. It is because, really, uh... SPG
1: is really the <laughs> anti, I mean, like, really the anti-hoofed, isn't it? Yes, they 100%. Instill, they instill people who, some of whom may have literally zero reason to be anywhere near MMA professionally, mm-hmm with absolute confidence that they have learned to properly strike and wrestle and grapple.
2: Yeah.
1: And then over years change absolutely nothing for them technically. Yeah. Rather than taking really amazing athletes who should be instant MMA successes and putting them through a, absolutely brutal soul-crushing horse whipping for 10 years yeah that turns them eventually into very very good
2: fighters imagine henry Hooft's version of johnny walker
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man be terrifying and terrified just Just absolutely
2: Confidenceless and wrecking people i don't know i think johnny walker he's johnny walker clearly needs a father figure
1: yeah, it might be he has the right kind of insanity. He's hanging,
2: he's hanging out with his uh, his drunk uncle, John Cavanaugh, yeah. instead of a real father figure. I think Henry Hooft could have Johnny Walker wearing a suit and saying, yes, sir, no, sir, within three weeks. It That's might how be. much I think he needs that, uh, that paternal guidance.
1: It might be that Johnny Walker has just the right kind of insane confidence to mm-hmm. not be crushed, every time he looks over and sees the pure disappointment in Hooft's face that he just threw three low kicks in a row with no setup at all.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he needs daddy Hooft's uh, discipline, you know. But uh, in the absence of that, he fights like shit. (laughs) His his style, which before was functional in that he would get into a series of completely 50-50 fights with zero discipline, zero control has been replaced with a style where anytime he wins, it is sheer luck Yeah, because he's not proactive at all. He is. I mean, this is the thing is that John Kavanaugh, the the ultimate indictment is that this man genuinely believes despite all the evidence to the contrary, much of it provided by his own students in the like Bruce Lee maxim that the best style is no style.
1: Yeah, well, he's he's, he's definitely teaching that. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Yeah, all of his guys go in there as if they're just going to figure it out. They're just going to adapt to the fight as it happens. And um, they all suck (laughs) because they don't have functional fighting styles, Uh, which it turns out is kind of important when you are not, you know, a guy in a Kung Fu movie, but in fact, a professional athlete who does this for a living.
1: There really is a. I mean, I we I know we turn to the, like the same couple people, but there's a reason that Rafael Cordero, yeah, and Henry Hooft have been churning out top level talented fighters, yeah, for like 20 years running. Yep. Now, while guys like Hobby and Greg Jackson mm-hmm. and You know, your yesterday's top coaches, a lot of them have just drifted out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would even say that Jackson, mostly Jackson's fighters stopped winning when Jackson stopped caring about the gym. Yeah. I I would even put him a little above that, at least as a strategist. I think Jackson. Sure. But like. was definitely a good coach.
1: But. You know, you look at you, even just Hoffal Cordero. If you want to, you know, yeah, to his his coaching tenure is really only like a decade old right now. A great success. A great success, and you. But you look at somebody like Cordero. box was the gym, yeah, in like 2003, and Kings MMA. Who still puts out top level fighters today. Yeah,
2: and th- those two are very different coaches too. Yeah, but they at the very least they have a grasp on certain things that are like fundamental to being a good professional fighter. For, yeah. For Hooft, it's fundamentals. It's yep. You know, technique and like strategic thinking in the striking, and for Cordero, it's a lot less specific technique, but definitely strategic thinking and confidence that like. Yeah you have a few things you can do really well and you're going to go out there and do them. Goddamn it. Yeah.
1: Pressure. You are going to pressure. You are going to fight with aggression. You're going to implement your game on your opponent. And that game is going to go through aggression. It is not going to come through being passive and like yeah, capital T technical trying to figure it out from distance. You know, it's going to be, you're going to be RDA out there. You yeah. are going to, you are going to put your will on your opponent and...
2: And you're, already, you're going to be Darius yeah, yeah yeah whereas yeah like what what is the process with which Johnny Walker has been instilled at SBG it is it is truly an utter lack of process it is passivity yeah. it is yeah waiting and seeing the worst yeah. thing you can possibly do and it is eroding his striking confidence Very. yeah yeah
1: cuz he was full of confidence and his striking yeah
2: too much that's why too you much. need a hook to just knock him down just give him a reason to be confident after first breaking down his ego yeah. yeah um so yeah it's a shit show um i have no reason to pick johnny walker no um you know despite the fact that yeah he should really be a pretty stable top light heavyweight because he's huge he's a good athlete he's powerful he's
1: probably um, not even not durable
2: he's probably you know i No, he just gets hit super clean because he was reckless yeah, uh, I think he's more than durable enough, and he's big enough to not have to get hit clean as often yeah. as he used to. It's just that he has—I don't even know if you can call it like an MMA overcorrection. Like I—I I don't, nothing has been corrected. Yeah, he's just doing something different and worse. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I'm going to pick Paul Craig because at least Paul Craig has like a reliable bag of tricks. Yeah, Balls. Paul Craig is—he'll be aggressive. He'll, yep. he'll walk somebody down, given the chance. He's probably going to end up pressuring and hitting Johnny Walker clean in this fight.
1: Yeah, it's... and he'll then he'll pull guard, and what that'll get him, I don't know. But Johnny Walker will roll with it.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to accept it because that's what he does now. He just yep. accepts whatever his opponent wants to do.
1: And I will. I I will be willing. You know, we've talked about this many times before, but. Um grappling is light heavyweight secret sauce like light heavyweights just don't know how to grapple and if you are a light heavyweight that does know how to grapple you can win just about any fight on any day Yep. if you can get the fight to the floor yeah
2: 100 so, percent.
1: i'll take paul craig yeah i have to but i mean i I am not, you know, nothing about Paul Craig getting detonated within 30 seconds from <laughs> no, 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 no. would be at all surprising.
2: No, 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 no. And Johnny Walker could also be like he might get in exactly the same position as Jamal Hill, and just succeed in bouncing Paul Craig's head off the floor enough times yeah. to finish him. Because like
1: cry Krylov too. I mean, Krylov
2: yeah, Paul- was wrecking Craig from Craig's guard. Yeah, Paul Craig loves to get his head dribbled off the ground. So, like, uh, and Johnny Walker again is he's, huge. He's so.
1: bigger and stronger than Jamal Hill and Nikita
2: Krylov. Yes, so he might just, with sheer size, be able to overpower uh, or finish Paul Craig before he can get a submission off. But uh, I just have no reason. I have zero faith in what Johnny Walker's been doing, and he has shown no signs of improving or changing course.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, let's let's shoot for the the Craig underdog because we know he's going to be an underdog. Oh, let's see. Paul Craig is currently a slight underdog, opened at plus one thirty, <laughs> jumped up plus one forty five, currently at plus one fifty eight. Walker opened at minus one fifty, dropped down to minus one seventy two, currently at down at minus one ninety three. I will say to to that point, and it is a worthwhile point to make uh wait, no okay obviously johnny walker has never been submitted but he was he was submitted uh in 2015 by
2: clinton to pray you. Mm-hmm. so and the reason that grappling is light heavyweight secret sauce is that like just most fighters don't face many light heavyweight submission artists so yeah. it's like a it's a niche it's a very a, much a niche yeah that paul craig fills and johnny walker would not be the first guy uh who is uh, rudely surprised by the fact that Paul Craig just, like, wants to break his arm.
1: Yep. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter at TheZaneSimon. You can find Connor on Twitter at BoxingBush. You can find both of us over at BloodyEvil.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcasts on BloodyEvil Presents, on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all of those good places. And as always, the MMA Vivi section is brought to you by Chris Rini and his book, The Fine Art of Violence, which you can find over at C H R I S R I N I. dot com Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Vivisection, The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crookland's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face podcast. And radio style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow blog. And as always, on BloodyElbow.com.